Hi, everyone, and welcome to Resilient People. I'm your host, Janet Fanaki. Resilient People features my conversations with regular, but what I like to call extraordinary people from around the world who are admired for their resilience. This podcast profiles my conversations with folks like you and me who have overcome a major life challenge, found a purpose from it, and now help others to be resilient too. Using your life experiences to create something that inspires others is what Resilient People is all about. I call myself a resilience explorer. I'm interested in what makes people resilient, what they do differently to be that way, learn about their purpose as well as tips and takeaways to maintain a positive mindset. Now to this episode and my guest. This is a conversation from the archives a couple of years ago that I had with a young woman in Toronto named Caitlin Starr. We spoke a few years ago when she was in high school about her life with type 1 diabetes. Caitlin spoke about her focus to raise awareness amongst young people, who inspires her, and how she wouldn't be defined by her condition. Caitlin has a bubbly personality and I really enjoy talking with her. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to resurrect this episode. So here she is, Caitlin Starr. Hey everybody, it's Janet from Resilient People. Welcome. I'm joined today by Caitlin Starr. Hi Caitlin. (laughs) She's adorable. Um, Caitlin and I are going to talk about diabetes. So Caitlin is a Toronto teen. She's Mm -hmm. 17 years old. She is a type 1 diabetic and um, her focus is all about educating and bringing awareness to people about type 1 diabetes. And uh, so I'm going to let her talk a little bit about that. So (laughs) thanks for joining me so much, Caitlin. So let's talk about when you were first diagnosed with diabetes. When was that? Um, So it was January of 2013. So like January 10th, I was diagnosed. Um, You were how old then? I was 10 years old, turning 11. How were you identified as diabetic? Um, it was, it was kind of a crazy story. So I used to be a competitive ski racer and we were eating lunch at the ski chalet and it was a Friday, like it was a Friday during the winter and I used to train 15 hours a week. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was a Friday training and we were eating lunch and I was having this like massive plate of grilled cheese and french fries with this huge rice crispy square and a chocolate milk sounds delicious my body needed sugar (laughs) (laughs) my body wanted it so badly and it was pouring rain outside it was freezing cold like i was soaking wet because i didn't have that rain poncho or something and i just didn't want to go skiing for the rest of the afternoon and my mom was like this really isn't caitlin like her mood's been going down she has mood swings all the time And the really weird thing about my diagnosis is that um, my friend Brooklyn on my ski team and her dad are also both type 1 diabetics. Mm -hmm. So we were eating lunch with Brooklyn and her dad. And my mom was telling um, Brooklyn's dad all of these things that I was experiencing. Like the main things that you need to look out for if you think that something weird is going on is like you're losing weight, but you're eating a lot and you're you need to wake up to go to the washroom multiple times in the middle of the night, or you're wetting the bed. Um, you're drinking way more water than you usually do, and what's the last one? <laughs> you're super tired all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, I think it's the four T's. 
that you look out for and I was experiencing all of them 100% and my mom was just telling Patrick like uh, Brooklyn's dad all of these things that was that were happening and she said that I was going to get my blood tested that following week and he was like you know what why don't we just test your blood sugar now so he because they would have yeah. had the kit right yeah. mm -hmm. so he explains to me what's happening he's like I just want to make sure that we can like rule this out because you're getting your blood tested this week I'm sure there's nothing going on so I give him my finger and I've seen um people test their blood sugars before because my my grammy is a type 2 diabetic so mm -hmm. she has done it my whole life so I wasn't scared of it I give him my finger, he tests my blood sugar, and the meter reads HI, which means that my blood sugar was so high that it couldn't spew out a number. Wow. And he was like, Caitlin, you're eating quite a sugary lunch, so why don't you go downstairs and wash your hands to make sure there's no sugar on them, and then come back up. And he tested my blood sugar again, the same results came up, and he quietly told my mom to take me to the hospital, <laughs> and then about five or six hours later at like 9 p.m. I was told that the next day I needed to be at Sick Kids for 8 a.m. and they told my mom uh, at Collingwood Hospital they said take her out to whatever restaurant she wants because she won't be able to have it for a very long time. Mm. So I chose McDonald's. Mm. <laughs> I got chocolate milk, french fries, and like a, a I think I got chicken McNuggets because that was like my favorite thing ever and then I was on a strict um, meal plan for like a month so I remember being so excited to get McDonald's and um, they had given me at Collingwood Hospital my first dose of insulin like a huge dose of insulin because my blood sugar was crazy off the rails was that given to you like by IV or it was given to me just like through a needle in my stomach um, like an injection I wasn't in diabetic ketoacidosis which is a serious complication that happens when your blood sugars are super high. Um, thankfully, I wasn't there, so I didn't need to be admitted. So they just gave me insulin and sent me off to sick kids. But I remember them asking me where they wanted me to, like where I wanted the insulin to be given. And I was like, my stomach, because my Grammy always gave her insulin um, through needles in her stomach. So I was like, this won't hurt. It didn't hurt at all. And, um, I remember that night, I my energy was crazy off the rails because my body was getting sugar and energy for the mm -hmm. first time in months. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I wasn't even tired. Whereas, like, for months beforehand, I couldn't even wake up at 10 a.m. Wow. without being tired. So it was crazy how my life went from, like, being so difficult without me noticing mm -hmm. to being difficult but for a good reason if that makes sense yeah <laughs> did you find that the um that you coped quite well with the change yeah I like to pride myself on just my adaptability like I I'm like oh this is the situation I've been given there's not much I can do about it so why not make the best of it but I would I would give the injection myself because I wanted to be completely independent with this. Like, I didn't want anyone else to have to That's at worry almost about 11 it. years old? Yeah. Wow. I remember, like, at Sick Kids in Diabetes Daycare is what they call mm -hmm. it. It's a two-day, like, turnaround where you learn everything there is to know about diabetes. 
and they gave me my two different types of insulin and they were like, this is what you take in the morning and this is what you take at night. Do you want to take it or do you want your parents to give it to you? And I said, no, I want to take it. So they taught me how to give an injection and then I gave myself an injection before lunch. And then as I was eating lunch, they taught my parents how to do it. But it, I think it was literally the first insulin injection that I had taken, like, actually being a diabetic. It had sunken in, and I was like, this is what I'm going to deal with. Yeah. So I might as well figure out how to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and what about your friends? You know, do you remember oh. the, the first time that you were injecting yourself in front of them? Um, well, when I was first diagnosed, I was actually embarrassed to tell my friends. Yeah. So I remember FaceTiming my friend Tara, like my best friend of all time. Um, I think it was this, the second day of Diabetes Day Care. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't, please don't stop being friends with me. Please don't be embarrassed to be around me. But, <laughs> but I haven't been texting you because I've been at the hospital. I've been... I was diagnosed with diabetes, and, like, this is what I'm going to have to deal with. And she's like, why are you embarrassed? Like, you could have died. <laughs> um, but I... That's a supportive friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. She and my other... Like, I, I had two best friends at the time, Tara and Kyla. Kyla lives far away now, but um, they're still super close with me, and I still consider them my best friends. Um, but they were super supportive. There were kids in my elementary school who would tease me mm. every once in a while. Like, I remember I would, I wasn't afraid of taking injections in front of people. Like, tons of, tons of newly diagnosed diabetics would go to the washroom and take their insulin, but I was like, mm, I don't care. I'm just going to do it in front of people because this is who I am now. Yeah. In the open. Like, I'm not afraid to wear my mm -hmm. sights and stuff like that. So I would take insulin at the lunch table, and they were these fold-out tables that, because we would eat lunch in the gym. Mm -hmm. So along the walls, there were tables that would like fold up like this. So they would go up against the wall. Um, but if you like bounced on the tables, they'd shake a lot. Mm -hmm. So I would be about to take an injection and all of the boys around me would start bouncing on the table. On purpose? Oh, yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really remember it happening a lot, but I remember it happening once or twice and I was just like, up with it okay. so I would I ended up taking my insulin a lot at the office and there was another moment um, in grade five a couple months after I had been diagnosed uh, my parents had got me a phone because they were like what if something happens with your blood sugars mm -hmm. like I want to be able to know so you can text me um, so I was texting my mom or my dad because my blood sugar was crazy high mm -hmm. and I wanted to figure out what I should to bring it down <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, the boys uh, in my class came around my desk because it was at recess time or something and they everyone was leaving the classroom and the boys walked by my desk and kind of got in my personal space and were like you're not allowed phones at school like who are you texting and I was like I'm texting my parents because my blood sugar is crazy high and they were like well you should have your phones and it it got me I was annoyed, but, like, it was grade five. People don't understand in grade five. Um, but everyone has kind of just, in my life, everyone's been very nonchalant about it. Like, mm -hmm. people are just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. 
you're a diabetic. Yeah, it's your new normal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And if people, I've never had someone be difficult about it, mm-hmm. but if people are, <laughs> um, I don't want them mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, why would I want someone around that doesn't try to understand or accept what my life is? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's a very mature attitude. <laughs> so why don't we talk about where the idea for Truly Sweet came from? Okay. So in grade 10, um, I go to an arts high school. So in grade 10 and grade 9, you do this like number, 10, 10 to 15 minute number for the end of the year recital. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't make it to one of the early morning rehearsals for my classes number. Mm-hmm. And I had emailed my teacher telling her why like my blood sugars were out of control and I needed to set a routine and waking up early for this rehearsal would set off this routine. And she was like, your health comes first. Don't worry about it. You know what you're doing. You're fine. So I didn't go to the rehearsal and people in my class noticed and they were like, oh, Caitlin gets out of a rehearsal because she feels tired. Why can't I get out of this rehearsal? Or... Another case would be Caitlin sitting out because she feels faint. Why can't I sit out when I feel faint? Or Caitlin gets to eat things in class. Why can't I eat things in class? And it, it was that type of, those type of remarks that were going on completely behind my back mm. that made me want to end that ignorance. And of course it's that ignorance the, that people don't understand what type 1 diabetes is and the constant decisions that type 1 diabetics have to make like how much insulin is this plate of pasta like how many carbs is this plate of pasta how much insulin do I have to take for this um oh my blood sugar is at five and it's going down but I have another half lap to do of this run what should I do it's that those quick decisions that you have to make that can either get get you out of a terrifying situation or put you in one. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I found out about the things that people were saying that wouldn't seem too harmful to a person without type 1 diabetes, but to a person with type 1 diabetes, it's like they are completely closed off to the idea that I need to do this to keep myself alive. Mm -hmm. So that summer after I found out about the showcase incident and how people were just making fun of my diabetes, basically, I decided that I wasn't going to uh, deal with that ignorance anymore and that I was going to become that voice of this is what type 1 diabetes is. This is how I deal with it. This is what people go through with type 1 diabetes. And this is why I had to skip that rehearsal. Um, And this is why I have to sit out. And this is why I have to do the things that I do. And it was also because when I was diagnosed at 10 years old, there weren't any girls my age on Instagram or Mm. like in my close personal life with type 1 diabetes, like, there was my friend Brooklyn, but she lives in a, di- in a different city, and at the time didn't have a phone, mm-hmm. so there was no way that I could communicate with her about the things that were going on, so I wanted to be 
one, the stereotype buster, the myth buster. Mm -hmm. I like that. And two, I wanted to be a role model for kids that needed one. Well, I have to say your posts are phenomenal because they really do educate a person who has, you know, you might have an idea mm -hmm. of what diabetes is all about, type one, um, especially you may not, but you're so, um, forthcoming about everything, right? I mean, you're showing your, yeah. what do you call them? Uh, the so this is my, or? uh, they're sites, sites, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the big one is my insulin pump. Mm -hmm. And then this one is my Dexcom, which sends my blood sugars to my phone. Right. And just, um, you know, even when you're on holiday, you know, talking mm -hmm. about foods that you're eating and activities that you're doing and it's really great. And <laughs> I think you even, uh, there was a post that you had on there where you had discovered, um, a friend, Max, yes. right? Who also is type one diabetic, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, it's nice that you've been able to take this platform and you're not just educating people, but you're also connecting with other people that, you yeah. know, you're making like a little community. Yeah. <laughs> nice thank you so what does that do for you like how does that how has that helped you oh my gosh you're hoping uh, to help other people but <laughs> do you find that it's done anything for you mm -hmm. there's a lot of people on that community like on instagram in that community that are just so influential with the things that they're doing mm -hmm. like there's this one um there's this one activist I don't know <laughs> there's this one person on Instagram um called Dave his name is David but his handle is type one liveabetic and um he is very much um he spreads the word about diabetes burnouts and that it's like okay to have those moments where you don't want to do anything and you're sick of diabetes and have you had those oh yeah okay. <laughs> all the time right and I, I found his account when I was having one of those because I was trying to find people that understood what was going on. And um, I don't really know much about his story, but I know that he went through a time where his blood sugars were very dangerous, and that's why he started the account. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another um, account called T1D Chick. She is um, she's just kind of like a lifestyle Instagrammer mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and she just makes posts about what she's doing in her daily life and it's really interesting to see how different people deal with different things that come across um, that happen in your life especially as a type 1 diabetic and then there's a girl named Kate who lives in Ottawa and when she was diagnosed only a few months after she was diagnosed she started her own company called Sugar Drop Sweetwear and she sells like sweaters and t-shirts oh. and hats and it's super awesome and 10% of all the proceeds go to the JDRF for diabetes research so it's just like the community that I've tried to insert myself into yeah. um, is so awesome when you're looking for someone that understands what's happening um, that can help you that can give advice that you can just direct message and they'll respond because diabetes isn't something that's super big mm -hmm. in the world. Like I always tell people I'd rather people, I'd rather scientists find a cure for cancer than diabetes. Cause right now insulin keeps me alive, but like other people need a cure more than I do. 
Um, it's, it's just super awesome to know that I'm not the only one that's struggling a little. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then what's the response been to your posts and your YouTube videos? Like what have you been hearing back from your followers? Oh, Max actually, um, he was a family friend of mine for as long, he's been a family friend of mine for as long as I can remember. And he, when he started showing symptoms of type one diabetes, his mom knew right away that he was type one diabetic and none of the doctors would listen to her. And she goes, mm -hmm. No, we have a friend who's a type 1 diabetic. She's been through this. I know what's happening. Please test him. Right. And um, turns out he was type 1 diabetic. And we actually went to visit him. And that's the, the post that I made. Um, it's like, it's just so, I don't even know how to explain how awesome it is when people like reach out to me and say, hey, I love what you're doing. Or like Kate from True, from my, uh, Sugar Drop Sweetware. Yes. Um, she's a competitive dancer. Like, I'm a competitive yeah. dancer. So she and I, like, give each other advice on how to make sure our insulin pumps don't fall off in the middle of a dance. Or, like, how to keep our blood sugars flat or keep, keep them from going low when we're dancing. Like, yeah. it's just this back and forth um, support that's mm. constantly happening. And it never stops. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, so obviously that's something that fuels you to keep going mm -hmm. and strengthens your spirit. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you point to as being, you know, some ways that have done that for you? We mentioned um, when we talked earlier a little bit about your family. Yeah. Um, where else do you think your resilience comes the, from? Throughout my life, I don't think there's ever been a moment where I've been like, okay, I'm going to give up. That's, I'm done with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with my parents and my family. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, my, my family has been a huge um, support system for me. Mm -hmm. Like I told you, my mom is, is always there when I need to just vent about how much diabetes sucks sometimes. Um, and my brother, he'll order diet soda and diet pop instead of Sprite or 7-Up or juice, because I can't have any of those. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad's always reading up on books and um, new techniques and new ways to, to cope with diabetes and manage your blood sugars and how to change your diet slightly so that your blood sugars stay a little bit more flat. And of course, um, my grandmother is a type 2 mm -hmm. diabetic, so she understands completely. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no other... There's no other way to just say how how awesome it is to talk to my granny um, about diabetes when I need to. My aunt, huge role model, she is in the music business yeah. and she is very out, outside of the box. Um, and that's kind of my, my dad's side of the family, but my mom's side of the family has just never treated me differently mm -hmm. which huge kudos to them because I, I think that would be very hard especially when you have a newly diagnosed 10 11 year old in the house and you're trying to make sure that she doesn't mess up her insulin dosage on a Easter brunch or something mm -hmm. my family's been like super super awesome 
Last question, what would be the advice you give to somebody who's going through something similar, who's maybe just newly diagnosed or just freaking out, they're young, <laughs> you know, just kind of, if you were to think back to when mm-hmm. you were at that stage, or even somebody who's your age or even older, like what advice would you give them? First thing, you are not the label. It, it's something that I'm having trouble dealing with now, because at, at Sick Kids, my doctors are like, Caitlin, stop referring to yourself as a diabetic. You are Caitlin who has diabetes. Ooh, that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like diabetes doesn't rule my life. It's just something I have to deal with. Um, my Grammy likes to say it's, it's kind of like wearing glasses. People with glasses can't see too well without mm. them. Mm-hmm. I can't live too well without my insulin pump. Um, and it's, it's just something that's always in the back of my head. But I'm still a teenager, and I'm still Caitlin, and I'm still a dancer, I'm still a student, I'm still a human being that's living my daily life. Um, I'm not just a diabetic. Ask questions, and don't be afraid to wear it proudly. Do you remember a time when you were going through something big and were struggling with how to open up to others about it? To me, it's one of the saddest things that a person has to deal with on top of whatever their problem is. Having a strong support system is everything when you're going through a challenge, and it's crucial in building resilience. The best situation is to already have this type of support in place, like Caitlin had in her family, but also in her two best friends who immediately understood her sensitivity with her diabetes diagnosis. And having the support from her family and friends allowed Caitlin to really embrace having diabetes in her life, move forward, and even become a role model to others who were living with it. This makes her one of my resilient people. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation with Caitlin Starr as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. If you've got a comment about this episode or a way that helps you be resilient, have a story of resilience to share or know someone who does, drop me a line or record a memo on your phone and send it to info at resilientpeople.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating for the show. It helps boost resilient people on Apple Podcasts and it would mean a lot. Go to my website at resilientpeople.ca to access more content about the show, buy a resilient t-shirt and other merchandise, as well as learn about my past guests and me. I'm Janet Finaki. Thanks for listening to this episode of Resilient People. Bye for now. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't have to be all bad. Hi, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP, and I want to help you divorce well. My Divorcing Well podcast aims to help provide listeners with the tools and knowledge they need to support themselves legally, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually while they're going through divorce. It's a holistic approach because You need a holistic approach when you're going through this challenging time. I want listeners to tune in to the Divorcing Well podcast because they're looking for the knowledge and inspiration to get them through the rough days 
and on the positive days, they will gain the tools that they need to heal and move through the various stages of grief that divorce can bring. Please tune in to Divorcing Well. You can find it on all platforms where podcasts are played, including Spotify, Apple, Google Play, and Anchor.